Now, 630 Chad presents The Elks This Week. A close-up look at the Elks and the Canadian Football League. Every week, we take you inside the game. From the voice of the Edmonton Elks, 630 Chad. Here's Morley Scott. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another show. Hey, it's the last week of the regular season for the Edmonton Elks, and of course, no playoffs this year, so the last week of the season is coming up. They'll go back to practice tomorrow. They'll practice this week before heading to Winnipeg to play the Blue Bombers on Saturday in the final game of the season for the Elks. Uh, we'll have it for you on Kissing Country, 103.9 FM on Saturday, 5 o'clock start, 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff for the Elks and the Blue Bombers, and it could be a pretty big game for the Blue Bombers, uh, depending on what happens on Friday night. Calgary's at BC on Friday night, and if BC wins that game, that keeps them in the race for first place in the West, uh, but all Winnipeg has to do is win their game, and they are in uh, as far as first place goes, uh, and uh, will host the Western Final against BC, who will finish second. Uh, that Calgary-BC game has some ramifications on third place, too, coming up, because if Calgary wins it, they stay in the race for the third and final playoff spot with the Saskatchewan Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who are home to Toronto on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the Riders just need a win or a Calgary loss, and they clinch third place. So still some things to be sorted out in the West. The East is all done. Uh, after their win over the Elks on Saturday, the Montreal Alouettes uh, clinch second place. They will host Hamilton in the Eastern semifinal, and the winner of that game will go to Toronto to play the Argos in uh, the Eastern final. All right, uh, Saturday afternoon, the Elks' final home game of the season. Man, it started well. 35-21, the Elks end up losing to the Montreal Alouettes, but it was kind of fun while it lasted on Saturday. There's the give to Moore. He'll go to the right side, turns the corner, gets inside the 10, gets inside the end zone. And they're up, Edmonton. Touchdown, Elks. Kyron Moore takes the first pie out of the oven, and the Elks have an early lead. Cornelius under center. He'll roll to the right side, and he's going to take it himself. He'll get the first down. He'll get a touchdown. Taylor Cornelius into the end zone. That's two drives. That's two touchdowns. Great start for the Edmonton Elks. Here's Ford. He'll throw it out to the left side. That is a complete. Kyron Moore's got a lane again. He dives to the end zone. Kyron Moore's got a pair. And that gave the Elks a 21-3 lead. We're about midway through the second quarter at that point. They led 21-3. They never scored another point. Lost 35-21 to the Montreal Alouettes, who uh, on the next series got an offensive touchdown, then they got a defensive touchdown, and then they got a special teams touchdown on the missed field goal returned by James Latcher for 125 yards. Uh, the Alouettes can score... Uh, in any fashion, and they can score in bunches, and they did that on Saturday afternoon. 35-21 the score for the Alouettes over the Edmonton Elks. So one more game to go. That's coming up on uh, Saturday afternoon, uh, Saturday evening in Winnipeg. A 5 o'clock start our time from uh, Winnipeg in that game. Uh, tonight on the show, we're going to head to Winnipeg later and check in with uh, Derek Taylor from our sister station, CGOB, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, he'll get us up to date on what the Bombers situation is. Uh, they've got 
two games left, and all they need to do is win one of them to clinch first place or get BC to lose their last game on Friday against uh, the Calgary Stampeders. So we'll check in with DT coming up in the back half of the show. Right now, I want to go back, though, to the uh, pregame show on Saturday. We had uh, Elks interim president and CEO Rick Lawless share on the the program to talk about many things. And uh, there's some good information here, and that's why I wanted to repeat it for everybody, uh, especially the season seat holders who may have been already at the game and not listening. Um, The Elks, of course, made the move this week uh, to our last week to announce that they're going to close the upper deck next year, reducing the capacity to thirty-one thousand at Commonwealth Stadium and create uh, a better atmosphere and and you know make it just more fun for everybody, except for those guys in the upper deck who've had season tickets there for a long time. I feel your pain. I understand what you're going through. I think when all is said and done, most people will be a lot happier with the situation. Everybody will be close together. It won't be spread all over the place. Optics will look great. It'll be a, a much better looking stadium. But there's some information information here uh, in this interview about how they're making the move and uh, you know what to do and, and, and what you're going to get if you're in the upper deck and where you're going to get. You're not all getting pushed to the end zone like everybody seems to think for some reason. So we talked to Rick Lalasher about that. Uh, we also started the conversation talking about why this move was made. Um, atmosphere this is the, probably the best word hardly to use. The, uh, this is a very big stadium. It's a very big footprint. We, we all know that with the track and with with the uh, crowds that we've had, it's it's very difficult. So we wanted to create a better atmosphere, and there's uh, so by closing the top deck, we still have 31,000 seats. It's still one of the top uh, number of seats in the CFL. So uh, we'll gladly open the top deck if we can uh, get this lower deck full. But the atmosphere makes so much to the fans on the game day experience. But uh, believe me, I, I learned that in BC, even to the players, the uh, full lower bowl will have an impact on the players of uh, the crowd and the noise. Edmonton's always in the top three in attendance every year in the Canadian Football League, but the stadium's half empty, and I think that's what people notice. They won't, it won't look that way anymore. No, exactly. Uh, that, your, that's the idea of it, and, and uh, we're doing our best to uh, relocate all of those from the top deck to the same uh, yard line that they've been on. Uh, we're maintaining the price that they paid in the upper deck uh, for next year, and uh, I just met with a bunch of them, and, and our customer service people over there were actually giving them different seats to try today to in the lower bowl to see how they like a certain area. And and I know there's been some misinformation out there about how you're making the move, but you're doing whatever you can to make everyone happy, right? Exactly. The, uh, if you're on the 10-yard line, we're going to try to get you right on the 10-yard line or as close as we can. I, I know there were some stories out there that we were moving everybody to the end zone. Uh, that's not true. We're, uh, we're moving the people on the 55 will stay on the 55 and, and right through. So uh, our customer service people are working hard to uh, meet and discuss with every person, and uh, we're going to keep doing that over the next couple weeks. And I guess we should tell people, if you're affected uh, and you haven't heard or want information, just make a phone call, right? Yeah, exactly. We're on the web. I know we've been very uh, we're busy, but our customer service reps will. Uh, we made the statement we're going to try to get back to everybody within three days, and, and uh, we'll work extra and long hours if we have to, but we want to make sure that all of our fans are looked after. Atmosphere, the main reason. Is there a financial savings uh, for this as well for the club? No, no, none. The, uh, our, our lease with the city is they look after the cleaning. So it might be a little advantage to the, to the city, but there's no financial uh, gain for us at all. 
So when our taxes go down, we can thank the Elks. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I like it because it's, and I think you referenced it, Rick, it's just, it's more aesthetically pleasing. And the one thing that drove me nuts around the league is they go, okay, and it's not, and when I mention this this stadium, it's not to, to poke fun at them or anything. It's just an example. Well, in Ottawa, 20,000, that's a great crowd, and it is for them, obviously. And then here you get, you know, 23, 24, what a terrible crowd. Like, we're not dealing with this same variables here. I mean, we got to remember there's a lot of stadium differences in size. Some are 24, some are 33, some are like this, 56. You know, BC's close to 50. To me, it just levels the playing field a little bit differently, and it makes it more aesthetically pleasing. Oh, exactly. And uh, you know, this is a big stadium. We all know it's it's great for uh, international events. It's great for Grey Cups and for concerts. Um, if I had my druthers, we'd, we'd take the top decks off and maybe, <laughs> maybe build some more party decks and suites up there, but yeah. uh, this the stadium has done exceptionally well over 40 some years. Uh, but but for today's CFL, you're right. We can have uh, 22, 23, and it looks empty, and the other stadiums have it, and it's like a sellout. Yeah. Is there any? Because um, I know your time with the, with the Lions, you created you know family areas. You created more of, and I know here in the stadium, there's some areas where you're you know you're you have more people gathering that sort of thing. Is there a bit of a move to maybe I don't know have theme sections or, or things of that nature? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what it's all about. And uh, we're introducing also a youth ticket from 17 uh, years down for $75 for a season seat. Uh, you can't go anywhere for 750 a game mm-hmm. and uh the uh also the younger crowd we you know we we do a lot of young people with our swifties promotion <laughs> and we hope that they uh, come back and and that they enjoyed themselves and uh we'll we'll introduce i think a couple more different social and party areas next year because in sports today that's what it's all about you look at all the the new stadiums they have uh different sizes of suites different parties decks, different areas, and uh, you have to create it that it's a place to be for 10 days a year for football, and that's what we're going to work towards. Uh, Rick, I wonder, you know, we see what Trey Ford has done on the field. I've got my peers coming and talking to me very differently in the last several weeks about this football team than they had in the early portion of the season, of course. Uh, What can you tell us about what Ford has meant maybe to the marketability or what you guys are forecasting about having sort of a face of the franchise like that at your disposal now? Yeah, it's incredible with uh, the way Trey's played. Uh, Funny story, I was talking to Wally Bono yesterday, and I said, you know, that one play in Toronto, that touchdown throw was uh, worth the price of a mission and these guys know Wally he said no 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 Rick that was worth the price of a season seat <laughs> yeah. he's right uh, yeah no exactly how often have you ever seen that and it's incredible there was such a hubbub in Toronto about that the you know because it happened in Toronto I think more people recognize it national media wise they're saying it's a great play and I'm saying I've seen probably three better than that this year from Trey Ford I mean it was a great play but you know the, the stuff he's been doing is, in, is incredible and all Obviously, he's a big part. Winning's a big part of the crowds that have increased over the last month or so. Absolutely, and I, I think he's a great kid. And I had the the luxury of having Nathan Rourke in BC and a Canadian quarterback now too. Uh, it's a great story to have a Canadian quarterback and and to trace such a great athlete. And he's so quick on his feet; it's incredible. And he's still learning. He still, you know, has a fair number of open receivers that we've all seen. <laughs> 
and he'll learn and he'll just going to work hard in the off season and he'll just get that much better by next year i want to ask you about the the last couple of months in your time has it has it been what you expected how have you enjoyed being back in green and gold I've enjoyed it. I, I think I came back because of my love for the CFL, and and you know, I still, although I was in BC for five years, you, I grew up here, spent a lot of years here, and with the green and gold. So, you always have that tattooed to you, and so. When the, the board called, uh, Jonah and I talked about it, but if I can be a little bit of a help, I'll, I'll come back. And I've enjoyed it. There's lots of work to do. There's lots of work to do in the off season. Uh, we've got to get some things corrected, and we're going to work very hard at that. And uh, so we'll start 24 seasons on the playing field it's starting right now you know guys are playing for contracts you know that and on the business side as soon as this game's over we'll start working on 2024 your business card says interim uh i don't have business cards yeah, well, yeah, no nobody, nobody has business cards anymore yeah, right? cost, yeah. the cost of printing didn't yeah, do it. exactly um <laughs> can you update us what can you tell us about the search and how that's going and has there been any timelines put on things to find uh, the next president no no, there hasn't. We're, uh, we have a board meeting at the end of the season on October 26th, and we're going to be addressing a number of those things uh, then, and, and we'll see. The uh, It's probably highly likely that I'll stay for a while, um, making plans into next year and um, working with the CFL. So we'll, we'll just see where it leads us. And I just got to make sure I take Joan on a vacation at some time That's in the right. spring. <laughs> there you go. That is Rick Lalasher, the interim president and CEO of the Edmonton Elks. That's from our uh, Countdown to Kickoff show on Saturday, the pregame show uh, with Brendan Escott, Dave Campbell, and myself talking with Rick. So lots of information in there, and I think the most important thing thing is if you're having issues with your seats and where you're going to get relocated to from the upper deck call somebody make sure you call somebody before you get upset about everything and, and see how it uh, works out and like he says they're trying to get you if you're on the 55 yard line they're trying to get you as close to the 55 yard line as they can same thing if you're on the 30 or the 20 or whatever the case may be so they're doing their best to make everybody happy in what has got to be a difficult thing to orchestrate shutting down the upper decks and, and moving all those season seat holders to the lower deck but I really believe like Rick said it's going to be a great atmosphere I think at games uh, in the years to come and, and hopefully we get to a spot where we can open up those upper decks again and you guys can all move back up if you want to to where your seats used to be uh, ALCS today uh, Texas over Houston 5-4 they're up 2-0 in the series Philadelphia is up 5-0 on Arizona they're in the sixth inning now Dallas with a late field goal in the first half they're at the half uh, Cowboys up 10-7 on the Chargers in the Monday night game when we come back we're going to Winnipeg I'm Morley Scott uh, this is the Elks this week on 630 Chet more football talk on the Elks this week. Here's Morley Scott on the voice of the Edmonton Elks, 630 Chad. All right, some uh, technical difficulties. We do apologize for that, but we will bring in uh, Derek Taylor now to uh, join us from Winnipeg. Uh, DT, how you doing? Good. Sorry, I, I hit hang up when I meant to hit talk, and now I ruined the show. Ruined it. You knocked the whole station off the air, man. Way to go. I appreciate that. Uh, how's your bye week? Uh, it's been it's been good. I got a chance to catch up on some stuff. I got a chance to see some Elks football as the Bombers and Elks play on Saturday, as you well know. So and just kind of gear up for the playoffs because the Bombers are probably going to host the West Final. It uh, looks like it. Now, they need either a BC loss or a win, right? And that'll wrap it up for them. So they, they could still be in contention to wrap it up Saturday night, or they could have already wrapped it up if BC loses to Calgary. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Yeah, the magic number is down to one now. 
So I imagine they're preparing this week in case uh, BC wins to have all hands on deck and everybody who's able to play will play in the game coming up. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Uh, we talked to head coach Mike O'Shea about that. And basically, the roster has to be set for Saturday's game. They set it on Friday before the Friday night games go on, right? So they're going to have to declare, these are our 45 guys. So uh, you can't change much based on the results of what happens Friday night if it did go in their favor. So I'd expect to see Zach Kalaris and Kenny Lawler and Nick Dembski and all the first team guys there. Dalton Schoen will be a question mark because of an injury he sustained in the BC game, but we'll know more about that tomorrow when we get back to practice. Uh, the Bombers are in pretty good shape right now. Uh, I don't mean injury-wise, just mean the way they're playing. They, well, they won a couple in a row. I think it's three of four, eight of their last ten. They're kind of sailing right now, are they not? Yeah, in the course of it, like over the course of 60 minutes, absolutely. But when we're in the games, as fans, we're kind of taken aback. I'm like, why is BC just hammering us all over the field? Why does Vernon Adams have 252 yards passing in the first half of this game and our team has no sacks on them? Within the course of the game, there's been some real ugly spells. But then uh, in that in that BC game, the win over BC, they held, they held the Lions to what was it, 57 yards in the second half before the very long catch and run by Dominic Rhymes on the final play of the, of the game of regulation. So it, it, over the course of 60, it's been comfortable wins, but uh, oh boy, there's some spells in there where we really wonder what is this team all about? Now, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, just in, going in and out of Bombers games all year, has there been like three games? I know what happened at Commonwealth. Zach Kolaris has thrown three interceptions in a game, which is something we're not at all used to seeing. Yeah, I mean, three interceptions there. He had the the interception plus two fumbles in this game against BC. There have been a bunch. He's got more interceptions than he than he had last season. But this is one of those things where sometimes you you know this well, Morley, where you go, I, you know what? I don't think he's getting those lucky bounces that you throw it right at a defender and the defender drops it. He got a lot of those last year. Roughly half of his interceptable passes last year were picked off. This year, I would bet that's more like 80, 85%. Like, when he makes a mistake, other teams are taking advantage. Luchez Purifoy is there to catch it and take it to the end zone kind of thing. So the yeah. bounces he got last year, he's not getting this year. Yet still, he's probably the best quarterback in the league, at least top two. One thing that he keeps doing is winning, right? <laughs> that's that's the most important yeah. thing. Yeah, he may be giving up an interception or two more or a fumble or two more, but he just keeps winning football games. Well, and, and that's the thing, right? People were people after the BC game were, were saying, "Well, Brady's got to be the MOP of the Bombers." I'm like, you think about that? Zach threw all those touchdowns, right? Like as much as he coughed up two fumbles in the red zone, and the interception didn't start in the red zone, but it was down about the ten yard line. As much as those happened, like it's a testament to how he leads that offense and how powerful that offense is that he just kept marching back down the field to get in the range to score points and eventually win it in overtime. Uh, quickly, I, I, we ran out of time here. We lost some time due to our technical issues. But tell me about Brady Oliveira and what the season he's having. I mean, he's going to win the rushing title. He could be the top Canadian. He could even get a vote for MOP, I think. He very well could. That's going to be the big debate in Winnipeg. Zach or Brady for most outstanding player among the voters. He's, his patience and his power, that combination with this offensive line, absolutely deadly. And he's been phenomenal since he figured things out last season. Derek, appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you on the weekend. Thank you, brother.
All right, that is uh, Derek Taylor in uh, Winnipeg, the voice of the Blue Bombers on CJOB. Our thanks to uh, Kellen Kennedy, uh, who is our technical producer at 630. Chad, my name's Morley Scott. Don't forget Elks and Bombers on Kissing Country, 103.9 on Saturday. I'll see you tomorrow morning, 530 a.m. on This Morning with Stacey and Daryl.